are listening to the audio preaching podcast from North Valley Baptist Church in Santa Clara, California, led by Pastor Jack Treber. Though located in the heart of the Silicon Valley, you will hear fervent, old-fashioned revival preaching from the pulpit of North Valley Baptist Church. It is our desire that you will be helped by this gospel message. We are living in a wonderful time in human history. I'm so glad I'm alive in 2019. I think we'd all agree we're living in a time uh, to blame society, however. Someone else's fault. I'm a victim. And uh, consequently, I've been wronged. It's their fault. My wife, my husband, my church, my school, my God, or my boss, or my company, or my neighbor, the bank. Someone's always the fault. You know, I think as Christians, we do that with the government. Boy, we need revival. May it start in Washington, D.C. Washington, D.C. is not the problem. The news media tries to get you to see that. The problem in Washington, D.C., Washington, D.C. always reflects the church. And the church reflects the home. And the home reflects the individual. And our government's in mess because of the individual, because of the marriages, because of the homes, because of the church, and it's trickled down to the government. Government is always a reflection of the people of God. God places in office whom we choose with our lifestyle. Like people, like priests. We choose to rebel against God. We choose to live a carnal life or a worldly life or a self-life. It's all about me with my selfies and look at me and look who I am and look how I've been wronged and look how I've been hurt. It's all about me. And consequently, we then think government's supposed to change it all. We'll give you free schooling. We'll give you free health. We'll forgive all your debt. We'll make it so that you don't have to work 40 hours a week. You can work 25 hours a week. Government does not solve your problem. We read in our class this morning, Nehemiah chapter 5, when government or when debt becomes your attitude that that's going to relieve you, that debt, that government takes you always into slavery. Nehemiah said, you mortgage your houses, you mortgage your lands, you mortgage your vineyards so you can eat because there was a dearth, there was a famine, and now you're being paid high, you're paying high interest. And he said, you have sold yourself into bondage. America could come back if the church would come back. And the church means your home and my home. And the church means my life in my heart. In my heart, send a great revival. We're talking about revival this week and these these weeks. And we've noticed that revival is a recognition of sin. This is wrong. This is sin. A repentance from that sin, turning from that sin with a renewed desire. I'm going to live for Jesus day after day. I'm going to do what God wants me to do. We've been seeing the evidence of revival. Evidence of revival is always conviction. 
When was the last time God convicted you of anything? He said, well, I don't, I don't, I'm not convicted. Well, then Romans 8, 9 is because you're none of his. If you can tell your wife cruel things and say your husband cruel things and you're not under conviction, then you're not saved. The Holy Spirit's job is to convict me of my sin. Slapping a woman around or slapping a husband around. Hitting one another, hurting one another, swearing at one another, swearing at our children, getting upset with our children, mad at our children. Don't you know I'm under a lot of pressure these days? That's not their fault. Why do we treat our children that way? Why do we neglect our mates? Why do we neglect our children? It's not my brother nor my sister, but it's me, oh Lord, standing in need of prayer. When was the last time God convicted you or convicted me of anything? I would hope that every day of your life, the Spirit of God convicts you, you're, I'm wrong. I'm wrong. I spoke to my boss wrong. When you speak to your boss wrong, then go back in and say, I, 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 I need to get it right. You speak to your mates wrongly, you need to get it right. A preacher friend of mine whose wife was killed, he said in the book that we printed, he said, I wish I could have our last conversation back. Though I wasn't mean and ornery and unkind, and I wasn't a bad, I was a preacher of the gospel, but my two children and my wife that were killed in the accident, I wish I had, I wish I had that last morning before school conversation. And he's one of my great heroes, this godly man. And when he would call a poor conversation, the most of us would probably call a good conversation. What a great man. Some of you have had to say goodbye to mother and father. I think of Jerry, his, his family never talked to him again. They'll never be able to get that last conversation. Brother Buddy Blancal, little did he know yesterday afternoon at three or four o'clock in the afternoon that in a few moments he'd be stepping on the other side. Our life's a vapor. We better deal with things. When the Holy Spirit of God says you've been lying, you've been cheating, you've been stealing, get it right. You've been hiding the alcohol, you've been hiding the drugs, get it right. You've been hiding what you're doing on the internet. Get it right. So we see that revival is when we recognize conviction and we recognize in conversion, people are getting saved. And then revival is compatibility. There's one accord in the church. And then number next, we saw that when there's revival, the church is on fire for God and there's an excitement in the house of God. And when there's revival, we have a contrite heart and when we have revival, there's compassion for people. This government will never legislate us to like one another. We gotta have equal rights around here. We gotta get along. Hate speech, hate this, hate that. God can remove that hate speech, not government. Government can never legislate enough to get rid of that hate speech. But I tell you what, when God comes into our life and revival comes into our life, we can love our brother as ourselves. We can love one another. We won't need a law to legislate it to one another. And so we've been looking at the evidence of revival. Today, I, I'm gonna to try to wrap it up. I have more on the evidence of revival I want to preach. I think I've kept you long enough. I, I'll preach this week and maybe one more. But I wanna to see today the evidence when there's a lack of revival. When there's a lack of revival. When there's the absence of revival. We read about it this morning. Where Paul says in 1 Corinthians chapter number 3 and verse number 1 and here, we see when there's a lack of revival, there's carnality. 
I could not speak unto you as spiritual. That text breaks my heart because he's talking to a church. This ought to be the most spiritual place in this city. This ought to be a spiritual place reflecting your spiritual home. I could speak unto you as spiritual, but as unto carnal. He says that word again, verse number three, for ye yet carnal. For as where as there is among you envy and strife and division, are ye not carnal? And verse number four, we say I'm a Paul or a Paulus, are ye not carnal? Carnal is the human nature. I've got this. I got my MBA. I got my PhD. I got my, my, I got my master's degree. I have my Bachelor of Science, my Bachelor of, uh, 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 of Humanities. I've got all these degrees, someone says. And so I can figure this out. Oh, friend, without him, thy word says, John 15, 5, without me, ye can do nothing. I need God. You need God. My marriage needs God. My children, our children need God. Our grandchildren need God. This church needs God. Our youth group needs God. Our school needs God. Our college needs God. Our radio needs God. Our publications needs God. The choir needs God. You and I need God. But the Bible speaks about being so carnal. Paul won these people to Christ. He went to their city and he was so moved in chapter 17 of Acts because the city was given over to idolatry. The city was given over to sin. And when he was moved, he couldn't take it. He stayed and he planted a church. And these people in 1 Corinthians, he writes unto them, he's so brokenhearted because he said, I see the condition of your church, you're carnal. He's gonna begin to explain where they're carnal. You're working on human nature, you're not spiritual. In fact, if you think, I just think of this verse right now in chapter number, chapter number two, verse 14. But the natural man receiveth not the things of the spirit. The natural man is the unsaved man. You might be in here today and you're unsaved. You do not know Jesus Christ as your personal savior. Friend, I'm not asking you to become a Baptist or a Methodist or a Presbyterian or a Catholic. I'm not asking you to get baptized. I'm saying today, are you a natural man? You were born a natural man, away from God. For in sin, the Bible says, our sin nature was conceived within us. We don't have to, no one had to teach me to lie to my mother. No one had to teach me to lie to my school teacher. It was inbred in my sinful nature. Because wherefore is my one man, Adam and Eve, sin entered this world and death, there's a consequence for sin by death by sin. So death is passed upon all men for all sin. I was born in Milwaukee, Wisconsin. I was passing a tract to a man this past week. They said, where were you born? I said to him, where were you born? He said, Milwaukee. I said, I was born in Milwaukee too, same city. I want you to know when I was born, I was born just like my twin sister, a sinner. All people born sinners. We have that old endemic blood in us, a sin blood. And that sin has to be removed. And we try all these ways. Go to church, we'll remove the sin. Get baptized, remove the sin. Go to mass, receive the, uh, remove the sin. Go to the pastor, he'll remove your sin. Go to the priest, he'll forgive your sin. Uh, light candles, God will forgive your sin. Give money in the offering plate and he'll forgive your sin. But not by works of righteousness, which we have done. But according to his mercy, he saved us. Oh, I remember that day. 
just 15, 20 minutes from here, when on that evening, standing next to my father in 1956, I realized, I mean, God got all over my heart, all over my wicked old heart. I knew in church that night, no one had to tell me I was a sinner. I remembered lying to my mother as a boy. I remember doing wrong. I remember having a temper and getting mad. No one had to tell me I knew I was a sinner. And when I stood next to my dad, the preacher preached that night, we stood for the invitation. I walked down the aisle, then I got saved. I asked Christ to be my savior. Oh, happy day. On that day, God put his, my name in a book of life. I'm no longer the natural man. The Bible says in that same text, look what it says, chapter two, verse 14. The natural man receiveth not the things of the Spirit of God, for they are foolishness unto him, neither can he know them, because they are spiritually discerned. But he that is spiritual, so you're either a natural man or a spiritual man. You've been born again and living for God, or chapter three, a carnal man. You can be saved and be carnal. These people were saved, Paul wanted to Christ, but now they're carnal. They're figuring everything out for God. They go to the human reasoning. They go to their therapy classes. Therapy is not the answer, Christ is the answer. He's your answer for your life. I remember the first man that walked down the aisle of our church 44 years ago, this coming March, and as he came forward, March the 1st, on, on, on uh, uh, March the 7th, 6th, he came forward that day with his wife. We had about 20 some adults in church and five walked forward that morning and got saved. And I remember, I'll never forget Foster and Pat, Hanson, they live in Virginia now on the East Coast. And I'll never forget them saying, well, we, we, we need to get saved. And they got saved that morning. They came back that night and he says, Pastor, I, I'm having a struggle in my life. I smoke cigarettes nonstop. They might be watching right now. I can't stop. I said, well, are you saved? He goes, well, I got saved this morning. I know I'm saved. I said, got to deal with that. I remember people asking me, do you think I need to go through a step program and get, get, I said, God, I'll help you. I remember a few weeks ago after that, I think it was a Wednesday night or Sunday night, he, he said to me, he said, guess what happened? He said, after church this morning, God dealt with me and I threw him away. And he says, you know what? I've not had a craving all afternoon. And he never smoked again. Why, God, I'm not saying you don't smoke, you're going to heaven. He already settled that, but God dealt with him. Is God dealing with you? Sometimes I think in this church, I must be the worst member because God's always dealing with me. God's always helping me and convicting me and speaking to me. I said yesterday, I was driving from a hospital visit and I was coming back and I said, Lord, I'm going this way. I just feel directed to go this way. And I said, now, Lord, would you just prove, and I asked him in a couple of areas, will you, will you, will you just make something happen in this regard right now, God? Would you just please show me that your hand's still gonna be on my life? Would you show me? And you know, I turned the street and lo and behold, it took my wife by there last night, and lo and behold, a person was there that I prayed would be in that parking lot at that time. I've been by there so many times and I've begged God just to be able to talk to somebody and God put that, I said, Lord, you just gave me an evidence. I think you still wanna work with my life. And here it is. And they have carnality. What's the, what's the, what hinders revival today? Carnality, and how does carnality show up? Well, it says in that very verse there, chapter three, verse three. Would you read three, three with me, please? 
it shows up, carnality shows up, and here's how it shows up. Ready, begin. For ye are yet carnal, for where is there is among you envy, strife, division? Are ye not yet carnal and walk as man? How sad it is today that churches are divided. Chapter one, verse number 10. The Bible says, I beseech you, brethren, in the name of the Lord Jesus Christ, that you speak the same thing, that be no divisions. Verse 11, for they've been declared unto me of you by my brethren and by them which are the house of Chloe that there are contentions among you. He says that in chapter 11. He says in chapter 11, verse 18, chapter 11, verse 22. He says, you've got division in the church. You go sometimes in the south and you'll see in a city of 50,000 people, 100 Baptist churches. You want to know why? Because this one got mad at this one and they started another church. And this one got mad at this one and they started another Baptist church. And this one got rid of, and they got mad. There are churches everywhere. And they get mad at one another. So instead of dealing with the problem, they up and run. You never fight, you fight, you do what's right. I was praying the other day. And please, it's not poor me. I'm, uh, I thought about saying this, and it was in my notes long before your incident happened this week. If I had to wait for incidents not to happen, I'd never preach. I'm doing the most wonderful work in all the world. I, I'm in the ministry. I love it. I love it. I love what I'm doing. I pray that God gives me more and more days and weeks and months and years. I love what I'm doing. I don't want out. I'm not asking God to let me get out. I'm asking God, let me stay in. But I know before this day is over, and I took one call this morning that just broke my heart. And I know before this day is over, and I know tomorrow, every day of my life, there'll be problems every day. I'm not happy at church anymore. You're not fair at church. There's cliques at church. People don't like me. Nobody talks to me. I don't like our school. Our school is this. Our school is that. I don't like our college. Our college is this. Our co and you name it, whether it's theological position or philosophical position, a biblical position, whether it be a rule or a standard of conviction, well, I'm upset. I tell you what, I'm your, a neighbor in this. I don't like it. It is a daily, sometimes I think it's Jack's daycare. And it happens every day, and it happens every day. And Paul said, beside all that, the care of the church, deaths and births and cancer and, and, and all the various things that come in and budgets and, and think, dear God, I love what I'm doing, but are we just babysitting the saints of God? Because there's too many contentions. I'm glad I grew up in a home where mother and dad never had a contention with the people of God. People in our church did. I watched it. I watched it. I witnessed it. Mad, upset. But I found out, and I'm, I know I look very young to you. You probably think I'm in my 20s. That hurt. But I've learned long ago that whatever the problem is, that's not the problem. That's a symptom of the problem. And I learned, and you please remember this in life, that most problems go back to a childhood. 
And that childhood just keeps reinventing its hurts in adulthood. That's why I watch young people, they fall in love in college sometimes and they fall in love and think this is gonna be the answer. But it's not the answer because they haven't dealt with the problem of being bitter at their dad or bitter at their mom. Our dad walked out, our mother walked out, our sorrow, our heartache, or this problem, or that problem. I've been having elementary teachers in elementary chapel every week, different teachers. We have predominantly ladies in the elementary chapel, K4, 5, 1st, 2nd, 3rd, 4th, 5th, 6th. And they've been given childhood experiences. And it's amazing how many came and said, you know, kids, I grew up in a home where my mom and dad left one another and they were divorced. And I remember so hurting when I, my dad didn't come home that night or my mother left. You know what they did in every case? They dealt with the hurt of their, their childhood. I think of one teacher it will be this week, anniversary week for her dad, Dr. Wally Davis, on November the 8th when God took him at 51 years of age. And she said, I remember when God took my precious daddy. You know what? Her heart and her sister's heart will always be broken, but they dealt with it. A teacher, a teacher, another teacher said, I remember Mrs. Bernardino who said, my, my dad was a deacon in his church and he passed away suddenly. You know, you have to deal with the past before you can go on to the present and the future. Carnality, my goodness, that clock is going. If I had, I, I want you to see in chapter number four, verse number six, not only does carnality show up in division, but it shows up in pride. They're puffed up. Throughout this book, Paul keeps telling them, you're puffed up, you're puffed up, you're puffed up, you're puffed up, you're puffed up. And they were puffed up because they thought they were something. But God says, let him that's chiefest among you be the servant of all. We don't make regulations on people's lives. Government wants to do that. As a Christian, we see how we can help those in need. We, God says the church that's wrong is those that forget the fatherless and the widows in their affliction. That's why we run these buses. That's why I work all over this place to try to get boys and girls and men and women to the house of God. Every week I'm passing track and these men and you are as well. And every week of my life, some said, I rode those buses when I was a kid. Or I'm going to such and such church now and I'm saved. I was saved at your church. I'm over here as a member of this church living for God, doing what's right. Or they'll say, I'm out of church. I need to get back. You know, when there's a church that has carnality, there's always pride. They never ask me to sing. They never asked me to do this. I'm upset. I'm offended. I'm hurt. They're against me. You have that victim mentality we talked about at the beginning. You're, you're being hurt by everybody. But the truth is, if you will study it yourself, you'll go back and realize I am hurting myself and consequently hurting those around me. Would you let God please convict you? There'll never be revival unless we get out of this carnality and carnality is flesh and carnality is division and carnality is puffed up and carnality is immoral sins. This book, I wish I had time, chapter five, verse one, chapter six, verse 16 and 18, chapter number seven, verses one through five, chapter 10, verse eight. He says, there is fornication in your church and he says, you're not even dealing with it. There was incest in this church. 
with a boy and his mother. And God says, you're not even dealing with sin. A church needs to come to a point where we, we do not cover sin. But we deal with sin. It does not mean a person cannot be used. If a brother be overtaken a fall, either a spiritual restore. Someone wants to get right with God, we help them get right with God. But we never cover sin. We never cover sin that is a lawbreaker. You don't do that. The first call you make is to the authorities and let them know this took place. Those are hard, difficult calls to make. But we'll make them every time because God will not bless the church that covers sin. I find out in this text, number five, they had wrong friends. In chapter five, verse 11, they had wrong friends. In Proverbs 13, 20 says, he that walketh with wise men shall be wise, but a companion of fools shall be destroyed. You show me your friends and I'll show you your future. I find number six, that they're going to court against one another. Chapter six, verses one and two. They were suing one another. You're hard to, it's gonna be hard to believe, but I'm gonna tell you, you will not know how many times in a year the first thing I hear, I'm thinking about suing the church. What are you talking about? Well, I've been hurt, I've been offended. I, I, I don't think you like my people. I don't think you like who I am. Look around. We have every nationality here. Why? Because it's an Acts chapter two type church where God's people come together from all walks of life and all stations of life and all nations of the world. You know, when there's an absence of revival, there's always something that's hindering it. And all these texts deal with this. There's more, but I'm out of time. Their theological position became wrong in chapter 12, 13, and 14. They began to speak in tongues and do crazy things. And God hinges 12 and 14 where he deals with that with chapter 13 between the two. And he said, this is the problem and this is the problem, but really the real problem is, though I speak with the tongue and men and angels and have not love, I'm become a sounding brass and a tinkling cymbal. Though I give my body to be burned and have not love, I'm nothing. I have not charity, I'm nothing. And though I bestow all my goods and have not love or have not charity, love vaunteth not itself. It's not puffed up. What needs to enter back in the church is the riddance of this thing called carnality where we can learn to love boys and girls and men and women and senior saints and the poor and the rich and whatever the color might be, red, yellow, black, brown, white, they're all precious in his sight. And a church will not have revival when there's carnality. And when we don't have revival, it's reflected in our city, in our state, in our country. We're reaping the consequences. Ms. Trevor and I came here almost 44 years ago. Every Tuesday night, there'd be opening prayer at the city council. We always had prayer at city council. The mayor's there, the city council's there, the city manager is there, the police are there, all the folks are there. Always had prayer Tuesday nights at city council. 
At times they'd say, Pastor, come on down and pray and I have prayer. But may I tell you something? A couple of years ago, some folks squawked, we don't have prayer anymore. We have never had such division. If you're listening to city council and mayor, we've never had such division as we have right now. They're talking about suing one another. There was never a park opened in this city that I was not there to open it up with prayer. The big stadium over here, 49ers, right next door is that beautiful soccer fields. I remember the day standing there and having a word of prayer. The parks on Lick Mill, one, two, three, on Lick Mill and Rivermark, that park, and the Ant Park over here, and every park, I think I counted up one day, 14. The fire stations, we opened them up with prayer. The police departments, we opened them up with prayer. We'll call them pastor to pray. I like one, one, one of the councilmen said, Pastor, when you pray, you sort of cover all the bases, don't you? He said, you get it all in there. And he was laughing with me. One park, I remember he said that. I was praying, Lord, may this park be used for boys and girls and families. May there never be drugs on this park property. May there never be alcohol on this property. May there be, may there be fun and laughter and joy in this property. May there not be sin on this property. And I pray today, we were in the war over there, Gulf War at that time, I think. I said, I pray for our boys and girls over in the military on another, another field of the world. God, please keep them safe. And keep our president safe. I don't even know who was president then. And our, and, our, and our city. And he said, boy, you covered the bases. I like it, Pastor. But we don't pray anymore. Because we don't need God here anymore. But we need him more than ever. Thank you for listening to the audio preaching podcast from North Valley Baptist Church in Santa Clara, California, led by Pastor Jack Treber. For more information about our ministry or to find out how to get in contact with us, visit our website at nvbc.org. May God bless you as you serve Him this week.